Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world, riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Ben to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho, welcomes you as we continue in our series, The Preponderance of Evidence. Is it possible to encounter the risen Christ and walk away the same as before? Throughout the Bible, an encounter with Jesus Christ meant a life-altering transformation. Listen along today as we look at the lives of the apostles before and after seeing the risen Christ, and ask yourself, what changes do you see in your own life as a result of meeting the risen Jesus. Luke 24, 17, and he said to them, what's this conversation? They're walking away from, uh, from Jerusalem, Cleopas and his friend. They waited three days so because they remembered Jesus saying something about three days. Okay, fine, we'll give it a shot. They waited three days. Ah, it's not going to happen. They walked away. Kind of like the way we do when we pray and we don't see God's answer right away. Oh, maybe God's not listening. So they're walking away and Jesus comes and says, listen, what are you guys talking about? That you're holding with each other as you walk. And they stood still looking sad. They've seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen him feed people that were hungry. He's seen, they've seen him heal people, give them sight, but now they're walking away sad. After his death, the disciples, not only were they sad, but they hid behind closed doors. They wanted once to be at the right hand, at the left hand. Here comes the king, the Messiah. We're going to tear the world upside down. He, the Messiah's here, but now, shh, not so loud. Close the doors. On the evening of that day, John 20:19, on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, the doors being locked. Kind of like the way sometimes we do as believers, we lock the doors. Lock the doors to fellowshipping with other people. Lock the doors to any vision and joy for the church. Lock the doors to any hope for our families. Locking the doors to any good things coming from the Lord. Locking the doors to God being able to save, transform, and heal. The disciples were there for fear of the Jews. So they're reacting and responding with fear to all those around them. Not remember anything that Jesus told them before the resurrection, before they met him. They lived their lives in the way that sometimes you and I do. Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them the most important thing they needed to have. Peace be with you. They needed peace. But after the resurrection, they fiercely praised God in the midst of the temple, preaching and crying out that we have seen Jesus through their lives and their voice and their testimony. Luke 24, 52. And they worshiped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Something changed. Everything Jesus had said and preached and done is still true. It's alive more than ever because he's alive. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. Oh, how I pray that they will come, that our church 
would continually worship the Lord, not just one day on Sunday. Oh, trust me, there's a sermon coming on that. One and a half hours on Sunday, we're believers, let's go home, it's lunchtime. But when we're sick, and the world's falling apart, oh God, pay attention to me. I'm busy Sunday night, sorry. I'm busy Wednesday night, sorry. God will understand. I'll try that one on God, see how it works out. They were continually in the temple blessing God. They were proclaiming Christ to people left and right, no matter the persecution. Acts 5.28, saying, we strictly charge you. The priests, the Pharisees, took them again, arrested them again, and said, listen, we told you to shut up. Not to teach in His name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. We told you, we threatened you, we're going to throw you in prison. But they did not. The more they, the more they tried to shut them up, the more they cried out, Jesus. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. And trust me, the government tried and used that message of no church because of COVID. It's coming again with a different motive. What other motives do we have to listen when the government says no church meetings? Peter said, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, not being afraid to call out the truth. By hanging him on a tree, God exalted him at his right hand as our leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. What's the message? Repentance, salvation, forgiveness of sins. That is the eternal message. As we are witnesses, that's the point. You circle that. Because if you are witnesses to having met Jesus, that's the message you have for your neighbors, your friends, your family. And you'll go up to your friends and neighbors and you will shake them. Your soul is in jeopardy. Oh, I'm afraid if I do that, my family won't talk to me again. Yes, but their blood won't be on your hands. They could not shut them up because they saw Jesus and they were witnesses. We are witnesses to these very things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Verse 41, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Their fellowship was real, their testimony was energized, and they met together in prayer and the teaching of the scriptures. And that's what gave them power and the strength and the Holy Spirit transformed the whole city. Over 3,000 people came to Christ when Peter got up and preached. Not because of his great prayer or sermon, but because the Holy Spirit and the testimony of the people living the way they did. You want the church to grow with people being saved, not just to fill the, the aisles and the seats. You want people's lives to be transformed. It is up to us in our faithfulness, in the way that we search the scriptures, study the scriptures, fellowship together, and pray together. And God will add to the numbers, not for the sake of numbers, but for the sake of their souls. 
this transformation in their lives is strong evidence for the resurrection. This was said by an Orthodox Jewish scholar. Pincha Lapid said this back in 79. If the disciples were totally disappointed and on the verge of desperate flight because of the very real reason of the crucifixion, it took another very real reason in order to transform them from a band of disheartened and dejected Jews into the most self-confident missionary society in world history. One tragic event scattered them. There had to be another event that transformed everything about them, and that was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the fact that they met Him face to face. He concluded that a bodily resurrection, an Orthodox Jewish theologian, the bodily resurrection could possibly have been that reason. Have your Has your life changed? Have you met Jesus, the resurrected life, giving you life? Because if you've met him, everything about you is different. The scripture says that if anyone is in Christ, all things have become new. The way I speak, the way I talk, the way I think, the way I react, the way I live, my priorities, everything has changed. He's changed me. Acts 8 Verse 12 and 13 of this message, this life that was changed, affecting the lives of those that were murdering him. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And here's the difference between religion and the relationship. The reason why we want God in our lives, and the moment He crushes our heart and gives us a new heart. So as Philip preached, people were saved, and they were baptized. And the Bible says even Simon, the sorcerer, the magician, there was such a man that was within that community, he was impressing everyone. His magic tricks were amazing. He made lots of money. But he heard about this Jesus, about the healing, about the, the fact that he was resurrected. And he came along with a crowd and there he was in the church with them. Was Simon really saved? And when Simon, Acts 8, 18, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Many religious in the church, many coming to church for a while, and then then they wander away, walk away, run away, wonder what happened. Here's Simon. He wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to lay his hands and give that power and make more money. Peter said to him, may your silver perish, May, may your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. That's the verse you want to underline that phrase right there. Your heart is not right before God. People can't see that. God can. The Holy Spirit can. He wants you. He loves you. He draws you near. But only you know why. And so did Simon. And Peter said, repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray that the Lord, if possible, 
the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Everything changed because they met Jesus. This was demonstrated by the transformation of their character and lives. Then, third principle, how do we know that Jesus was resurrected? What did he do in their lives? It was demonstrated by their high moral standard. They walked the talk. They didn't just preach it. They lived it. And here's the way that they talked. Here's what they preached. Here's what they encouraged. And here's what they ascertained for their own lives. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 He taught people that they are called to live holy lives. Breaking away from the world. Being different. Not just for the sake of. But being like Jesus. Because you know what? As the world is running for the lusts and hungry for that life. More than anything else, they're hungry for holiness and purity, which can bring true joy and peace. Paul says through to the Thessalonians in 4.1, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. What's God's will for my life? To be more like Jesus in the way I walk in holiness. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body and holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Not only did they teach it, but they lived it. They lived their own lives in an unimpeachable way. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Here comes Paul. Say, listen, we've lived among you. You've seen the way we live and the way we talk and what we do. For our appeal does not spring for error or impurity or attempt to deceive. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostle of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her children. People will sniff you out. In time, people will know who you really are. You'll know who I really am in time. Paul says, you've seen our lives, and we watch the, the, the difference in the gospel from a local church to the mass media TV presentation where everyone's life is going to be great and your health is going to be amazing. Just go ahead and come to this church and we'll please you and the things we say. He said, we did not do that. We preach the gospel, and sometimes you won't be able to take it. It's going to hurt. But at the same time, we loved you and nursed you as a mother. Live your life in such a way as they did. Holiness preached and lived out. And lastly, their faith took them to the end of their lives. Their faith was demonstrated by the price that they paid. And that's something that may seem to be in the future for you. Are you willing to die for Christ? Oh, uh, yeah. What does that mean? Quickly? Maybe not now. 
We've got no concept of what it means to suffer for the Lord Jesus. We live in this comfort zone of American Christianity where I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to uh, lose my opportunity. So my convictions will flex and my convictions will go up and down based on what would be good for me and my family. Oh, God will understand. We have no clue what it means to bear that cross. These disciples from the edge of fear and denial, they met Jesus They lived it, they preached it, they suffered for it, and they died for it. 1 Corinthians 4, 9. Did you even know this verse existed? Can you live what this verse says about the way that they lived? Paul says, for I think that God had exhibited us apostles as last of all. In this society where we want to be first, first in publishing, first in production, first in broadcast, first on the Google search, we want to be first, increase and boost your relevance on Facebook. Paul says, listen, as a believer, you're going to be last. People will mock, set you aside. Can you live this life? You won't unless you've met Jesus. Like men sentenced to death. That's the mindset. That's the oppression of knowing Jesus going towards Jerusalem, knowing that he would die anyway. He did not turn around. His face was set like flint. If you read this in John 11, like men sentenced to death, because we become a spectacle to the world. The world thinks that we have lost our minds and they're mocking us. We become a spectacle to the angels. They've got no idea what God is doing and how can people do this and suffer the way they do. It's because they met Jesus. And that's how they become witnesses to a living Savior. To men, we're fools for Christ's sake, but we're wise. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute to this present hour. Here's what it says. We hunger, we thirst, we're poorly dressed, we're buffeted, we're homeless, we labor, working with our hands. When we revile, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We become, we have become and are still like the scum of the world. The refuse of all things. This is the requirement and the resume of a child of God. Because through this, you become the light of the world. For as the world is crucifying you, condemning you, mocking you, you stand. Because you're not living for the here and now or tomorrow. You're standing for eternity. You're standing for Jesus because he hung on the cross for us to stand. All but one died a martyr's death because of their testimony. Even James, James, the Lord's brother, was thrown off the temple and clubbed to death for his testimony. That is their witness. The witness of a life that is changed. That is the witness that will turn the world upside down. Because Satan cannot copy it. The nature of their witness does not allow for the option that they were deceived or deluded. 
They professed empirical evidence. They touched and tested and saw. They claimed that they ate with him and touched him. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. But if he is risen, and he is, everything changes. Your life, your family, this church, this valley, and this nation. So what do you do? How do you live your life? Acts 17.30, the times of ignorance, God has overlooked. If you didn't know until now, that's okay. God passes over that. But now He commands all people everywhere to repent because He's fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed, meaning Jesus. And if this, He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. This is our time to live that transformation, to proclaim it, to be renewed by it, strengthened by it. What will it take for your life to change? When did your life change? Can you stand up and say, I met Jesus? Remember Mary Magdalene? Looking at the tomb, crying to the gardener, wondering where her Lord was. All it took is for Jesus to call her name. Colleen, Greg, Lorena. When Jesus calls you by name, the world stands still and the grave becomes a resurrection point. John His time of transformation was he ran, ran past Peter that was leading the way. He got to the tomb. He looked inside, saw the tomb was empty. And John believed Jesus was not dead. Do you believe today? Have you met Jesus? Peter, his initial moment is not disclosed Though the Gospels tell us that he met with Peter also. But we see Jesus walking with Peter. And maybe that's what's happening to you and me today. The Lord is walking to you. And as you drive home, the Lord's going to ask you, Do you love me? Do you really love me? Oh yes, Lord, I love you and I got time for you on Sundays. Oh yes, Lord, I love you. But, but now I got a new pair of oxen I got to trust, try out. Yes, Lord. And Peter, in the end, he gives up because he keeps saying, I love you as a friend. And Jesus asks him, do you love me with true commitment and surrender? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know my heart. You know I love you. Do you love the Lord? Does your life show it? Do your neighbors and family see Jesus living in the testimony of your life? They said, we are witnesses to his resurrection. Are you? 
After encountering the resurrected Christ, the apostles were new persons entirely, willing to testify of the resurrection unto the point of death. If that's not evidence for the resurrection, I don't know what is. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we believe, help our unbelief. Make me a new creation through the Holy Spirit and transform me that I would be willing to lose my life for the sake of the risen Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.